Okay, but where does she shower? That was me talking to the screen as I watched yet another addictive video on van life where I'm watching these young women convert vans by themselves to live in full time. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. And I want you to stick with me on the flip as we talk about doers and makers. I'll see you on the flip. One of the main things that I'm really liking about watching these videos of people uh, getting into their vans and getting on the road is not necessarily the idea of living on the road in a van, but more so what they're doing and what they're making. You see, a lot of these videos are walkthroughs of how people have converted a van to be able to live in it. And just the wonderment of seeing what they do. There's another um, series of um, videos that I like uh, to watch. And at this particular time, um, they're going on. So I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but um, YouTube again. And it's called Gourmet Makes. And it's uh, by Bon Appetit. And they have one of their... Uh, contributing food editors, uh, Claire Soffitz, who tackles junk food. And she makes it homemade using utensils that you should be able to find, you know, for home use. And the, the, the draw, especially for me, is how she goes about figuring out how to hack the ingredients to make them in a small batch. So she's made Cheetos, Oreos, um, Cheez-Its, uh, Rocher uh, cho- uh, chocolate, the Rocher um, hazelnut chocolate stuff. And, <clears throat> excuse me, she's done a whole bunch of, of different ones. Um, and the series is fascinating and it gets millions of views. And when I have just really honed into why am I fascinated with that series? Because I plan to make none of that stuff on my own. It's because she's doing <clears throat> and she's making. You see, guess what? There's a pendulum swing happening where it was where everyone was trying to learn how to code to um, learn how to speak a different language and to build, if you will, apps and uh, SaaS, uh, software as a service, and and those types of things, intangibles. But the pendulum is swinging now where people are moving back to the tangibleness of real things. And so this is a time for doers and makers. Um, One of the things that I have... um, have been noticing and 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 rem- remember I'm really into patterns and and repeating um uh things that that I see you know for tracking I've noticed that there is a maker movement movement um that has been picking up over the last uh few years or so and with this maker movement they're all about doing this very thing, hacking stuff uh, to to produce something. 
So for instance, turning a van into a home. So if you even notice with that, they started with tiny homes. So first it was taking a a tiny home and putting it on a trailer. So instead of getting an RV, they would make um, an edifice, build it from scratch and put it on a, a travel frame and take their house with them. And so the square footages were anywhere from like 100 square feet to up to 300 or so. Then um, the there were still some RVers and, and those types, but now people are doing vans. Heck, I've even seen people who live in their car and it's not necessarily because anybody's destitute. So this is like this, this hacking kind of thing of repurposing, learning how to do stuff and make stuff that is different than it was before. And it's really picking up. Now, this is the part that I am just tickle pink about. You see, I actually, um, when I was young, and I've told the story before, but when I was young, I was one of these people where I went and I got a skill. So I went to beauty school, um, which would have been considered a technical um, you know, type of uh, school. And I would go to this beauty school in my small town after my regular school. And so, I, you know, it was considered a technical um, after after high school kind of thing. But I went during, during high school and I um, was able to become a licensed cosmetologist because of going, you know, to that school and, and, and getting licensed. And that's a skill that I have had for many years that has bowed me well. And believe it or not, it fits that very definition that John uh, Oliver gave on his automation show. Uh, where you do have to do a series of non-routine tasks that require social intelligence, complex critical thinking, and creative problem solving. If you don't believe me, just try to figure out how to mix a color and make it work when someone comes in with different hair types and you got to make the same chemical process happen for different hair types, densities, ethnicities, you name it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it trust me. And so what I have been um, so excited about is technical schools are picking up. Yeah. You see what's happening. And I heard um, Gary V say this uh, in a recent speech for this year where he was talking about uh, people coming and asking, should they, you know, start learning how to code? And his answer was, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, if you're doing it like within the next month, you know, like immediacy. Uh, But he was like, if you're trying to get your kids to grow up and be coders, he was like, that's not going to really be that much in need because the need for those kinds of things are uh, getting saturated. And so because everybody is becoming a coder, everybody is learning how to make apps and um, make, like I said, software as a service and um, do things to, 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 make technological stuff, that market is no longer um, seeking out and paying those those big amounts that it used to. Another one <clears throat> and on that side of the pendulum is um, data modeling. Yes, there's a lot of data out there. And there are, there are a lot of people going into that. 
But think about it. When was the last time, <coughs> you guys, I'm sorry, let me take a sip of water here. Sorry about that. <clears throat> when was the last time you needed a software engineer or a data modeler to show up at your house when you are, um, <clears throat> when your sink is, or your tub is flooding and you can't get it to turn off? Or when was the last time you needed uh, someone who could do um, theoretical computations to come and fix your air condition when it's 90 degree weather outside? You know, so there are a lot of, lot of jobs and, and lifestyles and, and things that people are finding that they need work for. And I mean, that's just career wise. Let me move back over to like, if you're just kind of like looking for something to do with your life itself. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that is real um, about all of this, on, on Netflix, there is a, a rapper who has a show. His name is Killer Mike. That's his stage name, but it's, you know, he goes by Killer Mike and he has this Netflix show and it's called Trigger Warning. And what he does is he talks about, um, well, he shows he shows these the cutest little kids and he asks them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And of course, they give all the things that you would think little kids would give, you know, the astronauts and the doctors and the this and the that. And he tells me, he's like, you know, well, nine times out of 10, you're not going to be that. So what's your fallback? And they're like looking at him amazed. Well, what he does is he conducts these experiments to see how people uh, will will react and go through them, and he brings people in and he convinces them that, you know, because they are not necessarily doing what their childhood dream said, they they should consider getting a technical skill, getting you know, going to technical school and getting a skill. And so he actually brings in a guy who um got. Well, I don't know if he got fired, but anyway, he needed to start working and bringing in some money. And so he got YouTube videos and started teaching himself how to do handyman stuff. And, and he became a carpenter and a, you know, like a handyman, a, a lightweight electrician. And so he showed them little things that they could do uh, to start being able to work and take care of themselves and or either <clears throat> be able to do things on their own without having to hire it out. And they were highly useful skills, you know, like how to run um, electrical uh, cords for uh, lighting a room, how to put a door on its hinges. Uh, just like I said, very practical doer and maker stuff. And I thought that was amazing. I was I was fascinated with it because it is very needful. Now, this uh, whole <coughs> excuse me uh, again, you guys. I'm sorry about the coughing. Um, but but this whole maker movement. Um, when I was looking at it and being nosy, they even have magazines and stuff. Um, I went down that you know you how you go down that internet rabbit hole. And guess what I found? I found that there is a extreme need right now for specialty machinists. You see, there are a lot of machines out there, new and old, where they can't do those fabrications um, 
auto, you know, AI driven or even printer. You know how everybody wants to just print something? Nope. These fabrications, and when I'm talking about a fabrication, I'm talking about somebody who takes metal, like steel, and makes a pattern and then handcrafts a machine part to fit into something. And they've got to know things like your tensile strengths. Um, <clears throat> they've got to know how the machine is going to be used. They they need to know the, the friction points and the amount of pressure as well as heat generated, whether it be uh, combustible heat. I mean, it is amazing all the stuff that they, they need to know. And those machinists are so rare now that they are worth their weight in gold. Like for instance, there is um, these old machines that are used in confection, uh, so uh, candies and stuff that um, a lot of people still rely on to to wrap their candies, like wrapped candies. I've seen them a lot, like taffy machines and taffy pullers. And <clears throat> because these machines work so well and they are so old. A lot of them were made in the 19th century. The machine parts are hard to come by. And people say, look, we will pay uh, to replace, you know, the worn parts. But because these um, machines were made in a different time, heck, a few centuries ago, they need tender loving care for what um, needs to be produced to replace the part that uh, it has come with. And so that takes someone who has that specialty skill that I was talking about. So going back over to my lifestyle people, because that's another part of this, this maker movement. People are uh, hacking their living arrangements um, to, to make things out of their life. So there are a lot of people. Now, this part, <coughs> excuse me, I don't really necessarily um, condone, but I'm going to mention it. It, it was it was kind of sad. So there are people who are, it's called beg packing, B-E-G, beg packing. Yeah. And it's it's not necessarily my country that's doing it. They, they told the worst offenders, but um, people right now, as it stands, the biggest offenders are coming from Australia, Britain, and Russia. And what they do is they backpack across um, the Asian countries to go on holiday or whatever. Uh, we call it vacation, but they call, most of them call it holiday. But the only thing is, is that they, they come and they don't have the money to do it. And they beg their way across the con of the, not the, the continent, but the countries to go and see stuff. And it's becoming burdens, burdensome on uh, the locals. And they're like, why is it people from quote unquote, first world countries are coming to quote unquote, third world countries, their words, not mine, and begging these third world country people to uh, supply the money for them to travel. And so it's been a big problem. And I have looked at some of the write-ups and some of the comments. And one of the things is, is I can really tell that there are a lot of doers and makers um, in the comments saying, look, you need to, uh, if you're going to do this and you're, you're going to do it without waiting to save up money, be willing to either possess a skill 
or go learn a skill and work your way through as you go or be able to create something. Uh, Because they even show pictures of some of these people offering, are you ready? Hugs. Yes, offering hugs in exchange for giving them money. I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) And they made a good point. Uh, in, In one of the articles I saw, they said that if you took an Asian person and you plopped them down on the streets of any of these countries with a sign saying, I want to be able to travel um, to the next town over or get a train ride to, you know, if I'm in Britain and I want to go to, um, I want to go to France, um, give me money. They said they would be hauled off, <laughs> put out or whatever. And so, um, it, to me, it made perfect sense that, like I said, the pendulum has swung and people are now looking at ways to produce and to do, to have, you know, what they want to have. And I, I'm, I, I can't say enough about it. Another, um, <coughs> excuse me, another um, thing that when I'm looking at this, this, this doer and maker kind of thing, there's another component that um, I have been noticing people employ, and that is tenacity or grit. I'm actually uh, working on a podcast about this whole tenacity and grit kind of thing, pros and cons about it. But um, there was, uh, there were some um, researchers who started looking at the components that help people to succeed in dire situations. And they actually did a study of uh, West Point grads here in the United States. And they learned a few things about what made people succeed where um, there was a high percentage of others who didn't. And one of the main components was this grit factor. Now, the other one was camaraderie, doing it with someone. And that's why I noticed that with a lot of the doers and the makers, they are in communities and movements of doing this, you know, supporting each other. (coughs) And so um, with this grit uh, element, one of the things that is stressed about the, the the whole thing of having grit. Now, I'm going to tell you what what they the definition that they give to what is grit. G R I T, and they say it's actually a measure of conscientiousness for a, a long term multi year goal that's pursued without any positive feedback. Now, so that means unlike Dr. Eric. And um, Dr. Ender Erickson, who was actually a critic of this whole study with the grit, because he still believes that you should have <coughs> deliberate practice with positive feedback, you know, to get keep you going. This one says that a lot of people who persevere and do this this whole thing of being conscientious for a long time without positive feedback. Um, they don't require necessarily any type of intelligence. Now, when they talked about what were the two elements or factors in this whole grit, they said it was perseverance of effort and consistency of interest over time. Now, the thing with that is, is that, um, like I said before, they didn't say that you had to to be smart. Um, so much so that you could you can actually almost argue that 
if you were able to control your curiosity and not go after shiny objects and that kind of stuff and enhance your ability to focus on one thing at a time, but one thing at a time for a long time, then you would have this, this grit. Okay. Um, and so the doers and the makers that I am seeing as examples, as well as the whole concept of where we are and, and, and what's going to benefit us greatly, they're able to use this element of perseverance where they're, um, they're steadfast. I mean, they are single, singularly focused on doing that, no matter how long it takes, no matter how much they, how many issues they run into, they are going to stick it out until it's done. And it's kind of (laughs) hard. Let's just be honest with you. That is some almost unnatural stuff that you do. So think about, um, the person who says, you know, I'm tired of trying to find a place to stay. Uh, for the young folk, it might be, look, my mom, my dad said I needed to get out of their house. And so I bought this old van and I fixed it up and now it's my home. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're doing it on your own, it's going to take you a while. And nobody is there cheering you on to say, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job. No, you got to just keep going no matter who's watching or not watching. And that's a singular focus when there doesn't seem to, uh, you know, maybe appear to be any kind of um, good feedback or um, or even end in sight. You just got to keep going. Uh, th- there is this this. Um, this this uh, book that I got a few years ago, about three years ago, and I I do it on and off. It's, it's just that it's so intense, but I'm going to share it with you guys because it's part of that hacker kind of um, thing that I'm talking about when you're when you're wanting to be a doer and a maker. And the name of the book is called the Twelve Week Year. The subtitle is Get More Done in Twelve Weeks Than Others Do in 12 months. And it shows you how to um, set up your 12 weeks and uh, set up your goals that you're going to get done in 12 weeks. And so for those 84 days, you are doing the equivalent of what you would have done in a month. And this is how they do it. They tell you like one week is a month. Yeah. One day is a week. And so when you look at it that way, it takes away or it's supposed to <laughs> it takes away your leeway to procrastinate, to goof off and to not get stuff done. And the whole thing is, is if you do this, then in one year, you'll have four and a third years equivalent of work done if you are, you know, successful in doing this. Now, of course, they've got the calendars and the journals and all this other stuff. But the book itself, it it, it takes you through and shows you what you need to do. And like I said, it's real aggressive, but it is geared toward execution and implementation. Those are the two words that makers and doers thrive on. They know how to execute a plan and they know how to implement it. And, um, 
there those two things are different now i i kind of like my way of thinking about uh implementation and execution is kind of not opposite of theirs but i kind of go a little bit differently with it in my world and the way i've always been taught you know to implement and execute implementation is, has to do with the planning and gathering the resources and you know getting everything ready execution in my world has always been now that you've implemented your plan by uh, gathering your resources, practicing, whatever you, whatever it is that you do to uh, get prepared, then when you execute, that's when you start it and you kick it off. Um, but then... <laughs> Part of the ex, part of the implementation continues once the execution has started, uh, because implementation is kind of like getting that feedback and making adjustments as you go to continue to move toward your goal. Now, this whole thing with doers and makers is that you're going to, if you're doing this, you're going to be producing something, but you're going to be using the tenacity, the perseverance, um, the singularity of grit to produce or do whatever it is. And a lot of times this doing and making will either require a skill or you will be developing a skill. Now, this is the wisdom smack for this that a lot of people are are you know trying to find their way in our society today we have been in a gig economy where people have been working quote unquote gigs that require minimal skill um and minimal learning curve to enter into that market and because of that people have been having to pick up more gigs to make a living so think of it, if you are uh, delivering for Postmates, driving for Uber or Lyft, dog walking, and all those types of things where there is a low skill level to get in and a low learning curve to get started, then that means that you are at the mercy of um, the limitations of time, resources, and those resources are your body as well as your car or whatever it is you have to come to the table with. But when you are a doer and a maker, you learn how to hack your lifestyle, um, hardware, business models, whatever it is, so that you can either use a specific and use, most of the time unique skill and you can produce something. Um, I have an article that um, I clipped um, this earlier this year that talks about this uh, technical school in New Jersey, USA, that has now become like a little elite kind of school because of um, the vocational skills they teach and how, the, you know, teaching automotives and um, automotive repair and electrical, plumbing, and those types of things has become well sought after because once these students finish with that program, they're walking directly into careers that are 
considered high-paying careers. And it is because of going back to that definition uh, from John Oliver's automation uh, episode of his HBO show where he said, it's doing a series of non-routine tasks that require social intelligence, complex critical thinking, and creative problem solving. Now, I have a wisdom smack of all of all this stuff. One of my siblings is an audiologist. That is a person who is able to evaluate your hearing and determine if you need to see a speech pathologist or if you need hearing aids or, or hearing problems, cochlear implants, whatever it is. So they, they do all of that. They do hearing testing and stuff. And when I was asking them, well, why didn't you just, you know, be a speech pathologist? Because when they were going through their training, everybody was becoming a speech pathologist. And they said something that was very profound. And they said, you always want to have a specialty where only a few people are going to be able to do that specialty so that your community has no other choice but, <laughs> you know, to choose you. And so they were ensuring their career path. Now, like I said, that was years ago. Today, the wisdom smack is as a doer and a maker. And I encourage you, if you're not, if you haven't had no parts of what I've been talking about today, I would encourage you to embrace it because as a doer and a maker, what you are now doing is you're finding innovative ways to do and to make what you need by hacking, processing, and developing new and unique skills whereby you're able to get stuff done or make stuff that will help you in your own life and that people will consider highly, highly sought after. And so that's been the wisdom smack on today of now becoming a doer and a maker. So this has been Michelle Spiva. My time is up. I sure do thank you for yours. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, rate, and review. And as always, I'm going to ask you to uh, please consider supporting this podcast by using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And that's going to do it for me today. So I'm challenging you out there. I want you to become a doer and a maker. Find a way to hack into doing something where you become highly specialized and skilled at something that is that people want from you. So I'll talk to you soon. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.